In this podcast, we have conversations about personal experiences with loss, grief, and unexplained spiritual encounters. Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. I believe we are made of energy and that we live beyond this physical life, but what does our energy look like? Where does it come from? Where does it go? These questions have piqued our interest in understanding chakras. So we thought we should invite someone familiar with yoga philosophy to our show and talk about it with us. That's right. So from the Yoga Living Center, Hannah Holland, we'd like to thank you for coming on our show today. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here and talk about my favorite subject. (laughs) Yay. So I'm curious, how long have you been practicing and what attracted you to yoga? Well, I've been practicing, kind of been practicing yoga my whole life. I don't know if any of us are not practicing yoga, frankly, because if we're a living, breathing being, we're working on uh, finding unions, whether consciously or unconsciously. But I have been uh, studying, practicing kind of formally for about 20 years. I got my first 200 hour teaching credential, gosh, yeah, 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So since then, I've just been continuing to practice and study and learn. Um, I've had a lot of amazing teachers and have studied with basically uh, found eventually found a yoga tradition, a yoga school with a long line of teachers and students that dates back to thousands and thousands of years. So kind of representing the, uh, the team today, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And it's interesting because I've seen on your website, I've heard you say some things that this is more of a way of life, like a theory. And I had never thought of yoga that way as like a yoga philosophy. So what exactly does that mean? Cause I think most people just think of yoga as an exercise and not anything beyond that. Right. So the wonderful thing about the teachings of yoga is that they pretty much cover all aspects of life, life and death, actually. So if you do uh, enough study, um, you start to learn that basically the entire blueprint of life is outlined in these teachings. So yoga is not just a philosophy. It's actually a science. And it's a science for living a happy, joyful life. The yoga teachings say that we are here to enjoy life. We're here to experience the beauty and the blissfulness of life. And that is our innate nature. That is our primal way of being. But the the things that we experience in life, the hardships that we may have, kind of the difficulties that we have, all kind of center around uh, things that we've acquired, kind of walls we've put up around ourselves for whatever reason. And that if we could truly remove all those walls that we would experience life as just this wave of beauty and bliss. And with that, there's the different chakras and the emotions that connect us with that. What are chakras and how is it associated with yoga? Okay. So first of all, uh, it's pronounced chakra. Uh, oh, like C-H, ch, not, not, most people say it as an S-H like sha. I'm going to do that this whole episode now because I, I didn't know that. Okay. Good to know. 
No worries. It takes it takes time to adjust, right? Right, uh, right, right. Sanskrit is an ancient language, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So chakras. So the what you were asking about before, Misty, the physical postures. It's called asana in Sanskrit, and that's just one part of one portion of yoga. One portion of living this life of joy and happiness. And so that's one tool to use. And that works on the physical level, the mental level, the emotional level, and the the level of the breath, uh, which is called prana. So basically we go from the, the gross to the most subtle, which prana is the most subtle. So when we're talking about chakras, we're kind of jumping over the physical, the emotional, <laughs> the mental, and we're going straight to that, that subtle body that's um, that subtle. So that what the chakras really are is the chakras are their, li- their energy, lines of energy. So like we have, you know, blood flowing through our body, we have, you know, the cardiovascular system, we have the digestive system, we have different systems, physical systems in the body, the chakras are another system. So you have one line of energy, anytime two lines of energy cross, you have what was, are called nadis. Anytime three lines of energy cross, you have a chakra. So I think of chakras really like like a, a power station, you know, the substations, those power substations, and they distribute the energy along these kind of invisible lines of energy that eventually work their way down to the physical level. On the physical level, then we have the organs and we have the you know, different functionings of the body. So if you think of a, a house, when you're going to build a house, you have the blueprint of the house. And then you have the physical house. The chakras are kind of like the blueprint. So we can adjust the blueprint and uh, later down the line will actually affect the physical and vice versa. We can adjust the physical and that will eventually alter that blueprint. So that's a little bit uh, kind of what I mean uh, when you ask about like, how is this a philosophy of life? Well, it's really the the container of life. It's the way that um, we view life and the body all the way down to the body. And what I was most fascinated about and wasn't expecting to hear when I started looking into and listening to my Chakra 101 book was exactly what you're saying with the physical body that, and this is coming from, you know, being raised in the West, (laughs) Western Christianity to where we look to medicine for everything. And yet one of the first things they talked about was the healing of your physical being with your chakras. And so I thought that was interesting. They referred to having blocked chakras. So in relationship to, and yeah, we're seeing now it's related physical as well as the, what did you call it with the beyond the physical? The subtle body. The subtle body. I should just write that down because I didn't know what that was, but what does it mean to have blocked chakras? Well, again, if you, if you go back to the blueprint analogy where, you know, the chakras are the blueprint and the physical body would be the, the manifestation, the house, there's, uh, we're kind of skipping over a part. We're skipping over that connective part, which is yoga sees it as prana, uh, which is kind of the subtle force of the breath. So, yeah, so it really goes like that. Chakras, prana, breath, physical body. So to have like a quote, I'm doing air quotes, um, (laughs) blocked chakra, we don't really think of it in that terms. It's really just kind of stuck prana or stuck breath that hasn't been processed, that hasn't been digested. 
So one of the things that we look to do, whether it's through our asana or meditation or, you know, um, breathing exercises, uh, there are many, again, there are many different tools. We're looking to kind of uh, get that energy flowing again, because as I said before, we want to ultimately want to be able to just be in that flow of prana. It'd be in that flow of pranic awareness and allow the, uh, the prana to flow. So any place where, you know, just like a pipe in our house, if, you know, we get a, a little bit of a clogged up toilet sort of situation happening, <laughs> the same thing can happen to our energy body. It can get a little clogged up. So through, we use our yoga practice to try and kind of undo those blockages or rather kind of untie the knots or, or clear them so that we can experience life more fully. And with these block chakras, are they related to like our personal issues that we have, like insecurity or any health issues? Absolutely. So kind of here, we need to talk a little bit about how yoga views the mind. You know, the Western view of the mind is basically the brain and the brain's a physical, logical organ that we, uh, you know, kind of blood moves through and there's a little electrical impulses and that sort of thing. And then, you know, the science of kind of personality or that sort of thing are kind of separated out and it's kind of all divided up. But in yoga, we kind of view the mind from the perspective of consciousness. So we have a couple different types of consciousness. Basically, we have kind of pure consciousness, that consciousness that always exists. It's kind of what fuels us throughout our life and connects us to everyone and, and everything. We have the ego, right? That's our sense of self, our sense of that I'm, I am. We have our conscious mind, which is our kind of our waking, moving throughout the day, kind of that's our, our mind that can pay attention. And then we have the unconscious mind that um, things that we don't, we've taken in and we've put there and we're storing it there, but we don't, sometimes we don't even know we've stored it there, right? So each one of these aspects of the mind kind of exists within each chakra. So we're going to talk about the, the chakras a little later, we'll kind of break them down. So each aspect of the mind or each kind of different part is affected in a different way in the different chakras. So that's really what we're talking about is we're trying to resolve these issues, stuff that we put into our, our subconscious mind and we don't know is there. Uh, they come forth and they can actually uh, kind of, they actually do rule our life. They're what kind of motivate us to make the choices that we make at the beginning and, and over time, if, you know, we continue to make the same choices over and over again, they actually become part of our personality or they become our personality. So, you know, again, in yoga, we're trying to kind of break all of that down, which I know can be really scary, but <laughs> on the other hand, if we understand the philosophy a little bit and we are looking towards like particular maybe ailments that we are experiencing, we can help to untie that a little bit and tie some of the fear and tie some of the, the things that are keeping us from um, suffering, you know, experiencing, you know, whatever we're experiencing, anguish, fear, doubt, those kinds of things that keep us from being joyful. So is that what's called a blocked chakra? And, you know, cause I've, I've heard that term that your chakras are blocked and then can cause these problems. So I guess my question, all that is, if that's what you mean by blocked chakra, how do they get blocked? <laughs> how does that happen? The question is, is how are they not all blocked? You know, how do they <laughs> right. function at all? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
is the real question, right? Because if we're always taking in, we're constantly taking stuff in, right? We're, you know, not just in our food, but every interaction, everything that we do during the day is taking stuff in. Um, and that all has to be digested. So, and this is all very heady, but it really comes down to the breath. So if we have an experience that something like, you know, something fearful, for example, even if we're just watching a, you know, like a scary movie, we actually hold our breath when we get scared when we get frightened. There's a kind of a gripping and a tensing that happens and we actually hold our breath. And anytime those little, little breath gets held, that's cutting off that flow of prana, cutting off that flow of life force. So that's how it gets quote blocked. It gets stuck there. It's like, it's like we tie a little knot and then we kind of, we have to unconsciously we, cause we created it. So we have to kind of go in there and uncreate it, un- untie the knot. So yeah, it's happening all the time. And that's, that's what the yoga practices is for. So, so, you know, the asana will get you so far and being able to untie some of the physical knots, but when you're getting into the more serious things, you know, like when you're talking about depression and anxiety and, um, you know, any kind of mental disturbances or whatever, those are serious, serious problems. And, and so they, they require a lot of effort, but the problem is, is you can't really address that stuff if you're not healthy. So, so we always stay, say in yoga, you, you start from where you are, kind of what's right in front of your face. What are you able to do? And on the very basic level, we're able to breathe. If we're, we're alive, we're able to breathe. So that's uh, every yoga class you go into, we're going to talk about the breath ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. <laughs> it's the connector. It's the life force. And that's the, um, it can be very big and very grand, but it's also very simple. What can someone do themselves to unblock their chakras? Well, as you can tell, it's, it can be overwhelming. I mean, even just talking about it can be overwhelming. So honestly, I, I don't even think about the chakras in this way <laughs> that we're talking about it because it can be so overwhelming. I mean, we, we just get into like what's stored in our second chakra. Like that's, <laughs> you know, it sounds crazy. You know, it's like, where's my energy stuck uh, is kind of the question we're asking. And that can take us down a kind of negative train. And the school of yoga that I subscribe to, we really are trying to, um, we're trying to create that joy. We're trying to create that inspiration for life. And um, so, yeah, so start with what works, you know, breathing practices that make you feel good, things that make you feel good, simple things you can do. uh, No one likes this one, (laughs) but going to bed at the same time every day, getting up at the same time every day eating meals on a regular basis. So, you know, eating your meal when you get up in the morning, I know a lot of people don't like breakfast and it really is the most important meal. You know, the thing you can do for yourself is, is so that your body on a subconscious level knows that it's going to be nourished, that knows it's going to be fed. And all of that, you know, the, the food going in helps to create that stability and helps to create a kind of relaxing in your physical organs, we'll just talk about actual food for now, in your physical organs, helps the nervous system remain calm, which helps the breath to be more stable. So yeah, if you, you want to talk, you know, diving right into like removing your chakra bo- or balancing your chakras is again, putting the cart before the horse a little bit when most of us can't even breathe, don't, don't even have healthy breathing patterns. 
So the, yeah, the best thing you can do is feed yourself, sleep, eat, interact with the world in a joyful way. And, and then if, when you're ready, we can start talking about breath. (laughs) (laughs) So all of that you're talking about, that could be what they mean by balancing chakras, right? It's, it's this whole package. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a blueprint for life because yeah, when you, when you start getting into these subtle realms, uh, these subtle things about dealing with the mind, about dealing with prana, you have to be stable in certain areas before you can actually start to do that. So Ayurveda uh, recommends these basic things, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, eating regular meals as a foundation to really support your ability to eventually be able to look inside and discover that joy within. Cool. What are the benefits that come from balancing everything out? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything? Yeah, well... You know, on the the most simple level, I mean, who here isn't stressed, right? I mean, we're just coming out of like two years. Oh of my pandemic. gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? So the first and foremost thing is, you know, doing these simple things are going to help to calm the nervous system. When the nervous system is out of whack, it just, it really throws everything out of whack. It, on a cellular level, the, uh, the cells are not getting the nourishment they need from the mitochondria. It literally gets disrupted that way all the way up to, you know, you can't sleep because you're, you know, you're too jacked up and stimulated. So it really runs the gamut. So yeah, so it can, it can help to create a little bit more stability in your limbs and organs. It can help to create more stability in your mind. It can help to actually nourish the body instead of depleting it all the time. So there are lots of physiological benefits, not explaining them very well right now, but (laughs) there are lots of physiological benefits that, that come from just doing some simple lifestyle things, not even, not even diving into all the yogic stuff you know, taking care of ourselves and then developing healthy breathing patterns is huge in helping your cardiovascular health. When we're not breathing properly, the kind of the first thing that goes out of that gets a flutter is the heart. And when the heart is not beating regularly, all sorts of problems ensue, you know, the blood flow gets disrupted. It's not flowing at a um, even pace. And so different organs get stressed and which causes backups and on and on the cycle goes. So what's your ailment? What do you got? (laughs) (laughs) It'll help that. (laughs) Again, we're also talking very subtle and we're talking long-term health, not to say that, you know, yoga is going to cure everything. There's a Western medicine has saved my life a few times. So there's a place for Western medicine and it's great for that. We're taught, you know, the analogy my teacher always gives, you know, when a house is on fire, you don't go, oh my gosh, like what should our security system be for so that you know, the house doesn't get on fire? It makes no right. sense, right. you know? So, you know, if you're in pain, if you're suffering, if you have a physical ailment, by all means, see your doctor, you know, get the, the, the help, but when you're healthy and you and you have the inclination to kind of turn to maybe what's the source of my of my problem, you know, what's the underlying nature of this this life I've created for myself, then we can talk about yoga. <laughs> yeah. It's it's mind blowing. It's like a Pandora's box. I mean, I literally thought yoga was, you know, how to make yourself more flexible. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, some of that, that's the way it's sold in the West, you know, um, initially that's the way it came to make it again, to make it bite sized so that we could chew it off. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm diving in full force here. So of course that's what we want you to do. Absolutely. No, but I mean, even the little things you say, like, um, it's so funny because it sounds complicated, but what you're saying is also, it's like basic. It's like, that sounds so like, why don't we know this stuff, you know? And of course, and are we all doing it? No. And do we need the sign on our wall that reminds us to breathe? Apparently so. Yes, we do. <laughs> That's what our watches are for. <laughs> Tell us to breathe. That's right. It's time to breathe. And I always thought, you know, we joke about that a lot because for, you know, anyone who's had kids too, it's, you know, they remind you to breathe. It does sound kind of silly. And I, I do have a friend whose husband kind of gave her a hard time about her signs to remind her to breathe on the wall, you know, and yet you listen to this and you realize, well, we're not doing it right. And we're not taking care of ourselves. And apparently we do need to be reminded. <laughs> yeah. And some of it too, I mean, it is not to like condemn ourselves for whatsoever. I mean, we're the technological advances that we've had, um, you know, in the last 20 30 years have just, you know, they've doubled and then doubled and then doubled again. And so, you know, our nervous systems just are, we're trying to keep up with this, with our mind, essentially with like what we've created and it's have a little indigestion is what's happening. So, so that's all it is, is, you know, taking time to recognize that the human factor, and I think there's been, there's been discussion of that, I think in the media, a little bit lately with this kind of thing, like we need to consider the human factor. And the bottom line is that we are a part of nature and we forget that when we're sitting on Zoom or on our screens or, you know, looking at our phones or whatever, that we forget that, you know, the, the natural rhythms of the sun rising and setting is part of us too. And that we're affected by simple things like sunlight and wind and rain and, mm -hmm. you know, and breath. Right. Yes. <laughs> Can we start like breaking down all the different chakras, the seven different main chakras? Sure. This is going in deep now. So if you're Love it. with us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically, yes, there are seven kind of basic chakras in the body. And we start at the bottom. So start at the base of the spine. That's the first chakra or uh, the Sanskrit word is muladhara. And it's basically, it's the associations are with our primal needs, hunger, sleep, survival, and sex. So it's kind of sets the foundation there. So uh, when we were talking a little bit about the mind, any of those uh, survival instinct kind of thoughts, speech, actions, any of those things are interactions with the world. That's going to be wherever the breath may get blocked there. If we have sort of trauma and if you have any trauma around for instance, food, you know, maybe we didn't have enough food as a child, or maybe we had the wrong kind of food or, you know, lack of access to water or whatever that, any of that trauma, any of that kind of fear-based stuff is going to be, the breath upon is going to get blocked there in that first chakra. Is this also the one that's supposed to be associated with feeling financially grounded? Well, certainly it's any kind of stability for sure. Oh, stability. So that, that would be the, I talked a little bit about the kind of the negative aspects of the first chakra. Uh, the kind of positive aspects would be that security. It would be our ability to remain stable. Also our ability to be aware and to have 
appropriate emotions or rather, you know, emotions that uh, don't whip us around, but, you know, <laughs> but that allow us to experience life. Right. So, and then on the negative side, that would be, you know, emotions kind of out of control a little bit. Okay. But it's also, you know, it's, it's related to our ability also to let go, you know, our ability to kind of, I guess, adapt. Right. So it's both, you both our stability and our adaptability. Okay, cool. Because yeah, I've heard in some of the meditations I've done where you're imagining that light coming out of your root chakra and wrapping around the core of the earth to ground you. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so now that's getting into a whole other science known as Kundalini. <laughs> oh, look at that. I hear I'm thinking it's like so linear and so simple and it's so complex. I'm not going to jump in. I'll let you keep right, going. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other subject, which is, you know, when we start like working with the chakras and we start working with, you know, on a more subtle level when we're ready for that. But it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a, maybe a little bit too beyond oh, okay. the discussion here. Yeah. <laughs> that's a feather Pandora's box. <laughs> I'll, I'll it back in. I'll let you keep going. <laughs> so yeah. So the first chakra is basically trying to meet the kind of basic I need uh, keywords for the first chakra. Okay. Okay. Then we have the second chakra, which is the, um, basically is the sacrum it's called Swadhisthana in um, Sanskrit. And it has to do with our procreation. It's uh, sex, not just for procreation, but also for pleasure. It's our relationships kind of sector, (laughs) but it also has to do with desire, attachment, our sense of gratification and uh, kind of the buzzwords here would be I desire. It's also our seat of creativity because if you think about procreation, it's literally where the womb is and where we create new life as women. Um, So yeah. Cool. So any issues related to that would be kind of stored there. And the sacral? So you said and the, yeah, it's called the sacral chakra, the Manipur, oh, I'm sorry, the Swadhisthana chakra. It's really the kind of the sex organs is really what it has to do with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the third chakra, one of my favorite, the Manipur chakra, it's the solar plexus. This is all about our self-perception, our personality, our power, instinct, intuition, our confidence, and most importantly, our joy. That's why it's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also uh, this idea of in the the Manipur chakra, uh, Manipur means abode of gems and in in Sanskrit. And um, uh, it's basically uh, the area of the second brain or the the vagus nerve. Yeah. So yoga sees this whole area as the place that really um, there's a lot to work with here. We do a lot of, and, and we're doing this life. You think about, you know, the physical body, you can live without your arms and legs, but uh, you kind of can't really live without your torso. And so, right. and what's in your torso is all your organs. So yeah, yeah those are our gems. And then there's an intelligence there. There's a consciousness in the, the belly that knows, it knows how, like, I don't know how to digest my food, <laughs> you know? Right. I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, to eliminate and go to the bathroom, but yet my organs do. So that's the gem is the consciousness that resides in the, the organs there. 
Is this also the area when people say trust your gut? Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where it comes from, right? Is that there's the spider senses are tingling in the <laughs> in the the navel center area. It's really it's that it's that second brain. Yeah. That um, yeah that can give us some um, kind of clues to what we might need. Oh wow, that gives that so much more meaning. It's mind blowing in a way when you think about how many times you haven't felt good about a situation in your gut. I mean you physically can feel it there. And now that that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's, it is our digestion too, right? So we think of digestion, especially from the Western perspective as our diet, right? What we're taking in, what we're eating, but yoga really sees digestion as every single experience that we have, everything we come in contact with, anything we take in, whether it's, you know, relationships or whether it's, you know, the smell of roses, like all of that is taken in and has to be processed, sorted and digested. So it's a, it's a hefty, hefty duty that our internal organs are performing. And so, yeah, so being gentle, being kind to our digestion. And that's kind of the idea behind the living aspect, the kind of yoga living aspect, you know, eating three meals a day, you know, eating um, regularly mm-hmm. to kind of give that digestion just a little pulse <laughs> of, <laughs> of something to gnaw on all the time, you know, so that it, so that it remains functioning in a healthy way. Yeah. Okay. So then the next one, so we're on one, two, three, four on a Hatha uh, heart chakra. A lot of people's favorite, the, and you hear people talking about like, let's open the heart. Let's, <laughs> um, you know, that's a lot of yoga speak, but really I, I think and why we're drawn to it, it's our sense of, of self-love and inner peace. It's really our innate desire to, to give, to serve and to receive. It's our, it's our connection to everyone. Everything is, is through this heart chakra, the unconditional love free of attachment. So when people have heartbreak and they feel heart pain, they're really feeling something in an energy center of our body. Well, hard to say. I mean, it's the, the, and the thing is, is that because it's, you know, it's the subtle, they could be feeling it physically as well. I mean, that's why, yeah, heartbreak can really, I mean, I think that's where the term probably started like you know can feel like you're literally your heart is breaking you know because if you're emotionally again traumatized by whatever experience it's not digested then it can work its way down from this energetic level all the way to the physical and cause there's a you know a lot of times when spouses die then you know shortly after that the second spouse dies of a heart attack you know within two months or whatever it's literally, you know, they're heartbreaking. So yeah, it's, um, again, it sounds a little fantastical, but it is very real. Yeah. I love that one. (laughs) Everyone does. (laughs) (laughs) We all do because I think it's because it's that universal connection, right? So we're all, I love the heart one. Yeah. Okay. So the next one, the fifth one is the throat chakra. It's a Vishuddhi in Sanskrit. And it's basically, it's our self-expression. It's the way that we take this internal experience that we're having. And we kind of put it out in the world It's through our words. It's through our language, through communication, expression, ultimately, you know, we're expressing that which makes us unique, that which connects us with the world. So it's that, it's that universal unity um, expressed in the world kind of thing Hmm. through the throat. If we have trouble expressing who we are or speaking 
and communicating with someone that could be related to that area. Okay. Yeah. And again, also, I mean, and then it can go the other way too, right? So if you having neck issues, shoulder issues, it could be that you need to speak something, <laughs> then you're not speaking it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because again, it's, it's very real. It's not just mm -hmm. um, an idea. Yeah. Uh, then we come to the um, third eye, the Agna Chakra. And uh, this is the kind of command center chakra. This is, if you're going to start with one, this is the one that we start with because this one kind of gives you access because it's the command center it kind of gives you access to all the other chakras. The other thing too, when we're talking about going from a joyful place as, as a part of, uh, you know, the stuff that the lower three chakras can be kind of heavy, right? We're talking about food, sex. Mm -hmm. We're talking about <laughs> that survival. We're talking about elimination and, you know, the, mm -hmm. our monthly period cycle and all that, like really heavy, can be heavy stuff. Yeah. So we can start a little lighter. We can start up at the <laughs> third eye and we, we can, yeah, <laughs> and we can start with, uh, inner guidance, intuition, insight. It's really, this is where we connect to our higher centers here. This is where we connect to more of that, something bigger than ourself is through the Agna Chakra. It's the door into our deeper awareness of ourselves and the, ultimately the consciousness. So that's in the forehead, right? In the center of the forehead between the eyes. There's a center between the eyebrows and there's a center of the forehead. And the Agna Chakra is technically the center of the forehead. There's actually two, but um, it's often confused. Does anyone ever with any of these chakras, but especially that one, experience a vibration in that area when it's active and you're smiling? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, yes, they do. I mean, that is the pulsation. And that's, yes, that would be exactly what we're trying to experience there at the Agna Chakra is that pulsation. Yeah, that is the pulsation of prana in that area. Does that ever, um, yes, I am talking about myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> would it ever anytime be activated on its own? And the reason I'm saying this is because there was a year every night around the same time I would feel that and I would know, oh, here we go. And I'd fall asleep. But that was the year leading up to my grandmother's death. We've talked about it on one of the other podcasts with shared death experiences. I ended up experiencing her passing when she passed. I was with her by her side. But there was this, and I didn't understand chakras and stuff. This was over 10 years ago. I think it was 12 years ago. But there was a vibration in this area of, my forehead that I just always wondered if that was maybe I'm crazy and I'll just cut this out because I sound <laughs> ridiculous, but I like to put it out there for anybody else who's at home thinking, you know, having the same thing. No, absolutely. So if you think about it, is that our connection to the universal consciousness, right? This kind of big chicken soup of consciousness that we all are swimming in. Right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That sounds like that maybe, I mean, like, you know, obviously I don't know for sure. Cause it was your experience right. and not mine, right. but yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's, you know, there's a part of what we're trying to do in the meditation that I teach is that we're trying to really strengthen that area so that we can experience that pulsation. We're trying to condense it down, concentrate it, 
and ultimately walk through the doorway into that higher awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole technique and process for learning how to do that and um, learning how to do it in a, in a way that's, you know, working with all the chocolates that's safe and stable, that mm-hmm. allows us to be creative, that allows us or gives, gives us access to creativity, that gives access to personal power, that gives, you know, that is very loving and oriented towards the best and highest good of not only ourselves, but all. And, you know, so that we can express more honestly in the world. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that is the doorway in and, and yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like maybe that's what it was, but I don't know for sure again. Right. I did read a study that using that third eye that blind people could actually use that to see. Have you heard of that happening before? Yeah, I read a study about that as well. Maybe the same one. Yeah, where they were training, basically training themselves to be able to see without the eye. And I think that's why it's maybe why it's called third eye, because you do have that ultimately. Our capacity, that's the thing is, is like, we have uh, extraordinary capacity, but this, you know, all these blocks and inhibitions we put on ourselves prevent us from being the extraordinary beings that we are. We actually do have access to it. We just don't think that we do. That's the biggest block is we don't, we don't know that we do. We don't think we do, or we can't even imagine that we could mm-hmm. have those kind of capacities. So, I mean, I, my feeling is, yeah, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, what is the purpose for doing it? You know, is it going to be something that uplifts you? Is it sustainable? Is it, um, is it something that's going to be able to move you forward in your development? Or is it something that's going to be har- ultimately harmful? Cool. Cool. Great. And then there's just one more chakra. That's the Hasrara chakra. It's the crown. This is the Om center of home and it's basically the abode of pure consciousness this is the where the union of us as individuals kind of merges with the union of the divine or the supreme so we don't we don't spend a lot of time doing that because we're in a physical body and we're here to enjoy so you know that's kind of like (laughs) when it's time to you know time to check out (laughs) right I did visualize this one with a meditation from Brian Weiss for healing when I went through chemo for my rare brain cancer. And that was 10 years ago. And I've told you this before, because you've told me what I'm feeling is prana, but I was able to focus during those meditations on my crown, picture white and gold light coming in to just run through my veins and my brain and, you know, and everything. And I could feel something in my crown. I could feel it. But I felt like, and my doctor even said it was probably working like it was because of the other things I was doing, watching my, my health and meditating. And even, you know, he even didn't discount this kind of meditation at all. Yeah. I mean, and that, I think that's also the theory behind, you know, there's a lot of so-called again, quotes, experimental kind of with hypnosis and, and that sort of stuff as alternatives to uh, anesthesia for surgery and that sort of thing. But certainly we have the capacity to be able to be awake and withstand that sort of thing. Again, anything's possible, but are we stable enough? Is our breath flowing enough? So just because we have the potential doesn't mean that we actually can do it. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's, and, and that also explains why some people are able to, and some people can't, you know, it has a lot of it has to do with the stability of our mind and how um, able we are to remain steady in the face of that, you know, someone who's like, 
you know, not into knives whatsoever is going to run screaming from, you know, a little, <laughs> a kitchen knife, you know, they, they probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Right. right. So, right. so again, yeah, through yoga, through yoga practices is um, always what we're trying to do is create that stability of the mind so that we can experience our grandeur. And that's really yoga sutras. That's Bhagavad Gita. It's all of the yoga texts all talk about that. That was interesting. Now, are the auras uh, related to the chakras? Yeah. So auras would really be, again, it's not something that we really focus on because it's so subtle. It's really that, um, that pranic body, that kind of connector uh, is where we're starting to get in discussion of auras. And so we want a strong pranic body, you know, that can, can hold the life force so that it can flow through us. Right. Yeah. So we work with it in that way, not necessarily trying to, you know, change colors of our aura or whatever that, but rather to, we'd say it in terms of we're trying to strengthen our prana strengthen our breath so that we can, uh, so that we can be bright beings. I mean, the life force, you know, is light. That's kind of what it is. And so we recognize it when it's not there, right? When we say, we even say we have the, the expression, you know, when someone passes, a bright light has gone out of the world. It's in our language. So there's a recognition there that we are light. So it follows, right? Where there's light, there is glow. And so how bright is our light? How much do we glow? Depends on our the health of our prana, the health of our breath, the health of our physical body, limbs and organs, and, and ultimately the health of our mind. And with- with all of this, do you believe that life goes on or like an afterlife with all this? Like, where does that light go? Okay. This is a whole nother Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yes. This is, there's a whole philosophy. I mean, ultimately none of us know where we go. We can't know because our consciousness is here and the people have gone. Once you're really gone, you, you're not really coming back. So there's, you know, no one has been there and come back. But that being said, if we're consciousness, again, yoga views us that we're all consciousness, we're all, which is energy. And, you know, physics 101 says energy can never be created and can never be destroyed. So from a yoga perspective, when we drop this body, when we leave this physical body, we just go to sleep and wait for that kind of grace of the supreme consciousness to kind of awaken us again so that we can carry on with that goal of ultimately being able to be merged together with that consciousness. So in different words, does Hannah Holland believe in life after death? Well, I would say it this way, definitely karma and reincarnation, right? Yeah. We go and we come. It's like, to me, it's a cycle. We just, we keep going on the cycle and we just keep going round and round and round and we're experiencing and then we're not, and then we're experiencing and we're not. Okay. Yeah. Again, with that ultimate goal being that union. And we're improving and growing toward that light and that union. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced yourself any afterlife, like visitations from anybody or anything like that? No, that's not really where my talents lie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll go there someday. Yeah. In no hurry. My goal is to greet it joyfully. I think of the, you know, it's the Harry Potter uh, thing in Deathly Hollows where he said, you know, he met death as, and greeted as an old friend. So I, uh, I would like to do it that way to willingly and graciously go and maybe even disintegrate like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've got such a great perspective on life and how to like live and balance yourself. And I know you have a lot of other resources as well on your own website. So if anyone listening was interested in joining your yoga class, is that possible? Absolutely. So if you just go to my website, it's yogalivingcenter.com. You can sign up for everything that I offer there. You can sign up for classes. You just have to click on classes and follow the links. I also do private classes. And as you mentioned, I do um, um, feng shui, which is kind of uh, yoga off the mat and into your house. (laughs) That's a good slogan. Yeah. And do you do these on Zoom or is it in person? Well, the feng shui is definitely in person because it's a little hard to do that on Zoom, but I have done it on Zoom. You know, I've done it on FaceTime, someone walking me around their their house. So (laughs) it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And the yoga classes are on Zoom for now. The personal classes are, you know, private sessions also, depending, most likely on Zoom though. So would you be willing to share a short meditation with us to take us out today? We've not ended one of our podcasts that way. Sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah. So uh, I talked so much about prana and breath. Why don't we uh, start there? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, So yeah, you just want to start with a nice straight spine. You can also do this one laying down. So if you're listening and you want to get comfortable and lie down on a mat, I wouldn't lie on your bed though. That's a little too comfortable. It might coax you into sleep, but we did the idea is we want the spine to be nice and long and the uh, breath to be able to flow freely. So just find your position and just allow the breath to flow. There's a natural rhythm to the breath, a natural rise and fall. So just allow that to establish itself. Feeling the expansion and contraction of the abdomen. And then placing your hands on uh, just below your ribs on top of your belly. Just create a little resistance. If you're seated, this will, um, might be a little weird orientation, but that's okay. (laughs) We'll deal with it. And then just allow the, um, the hands to kind of provide a little resistance to the expansion of the belly. So as the breath rises, the hands work to prevent it a little bit. And then as the breath descends and the abdomen contracts, the weight of the hands assists. And just start to pay attention to the um, evenness of the breath. So noticing if the inhalation and the exhalation are of equal length. And if it's not, no worries, just simply invite the breath to find an even 
rhythm. And just see if the breath can smooth itself out. Paying attention to the depth of the breath, whether it feels uh, comfortable, does it feel satisfying to breathe? And if not, don't force it or try, but again, just invite the breath to deepen a little. And just allow the mouth to remain closed and the nostrils to do their job of cleansing the breath, filtering the breath. And you may find that it's a little easier to find that depth of breath breathing through the nostrils. And then noticing if there's any noise in the breath and again, inviting it to soften. And finally, simply riding the wave of the inhalation and exhalation. So there's no gap or break in between. Rather, the breath is continuous. And go ahead and release your hands and just notice the freedom that comes for the inhalation expansion and the effortlessness of the exhalation Feel free to stay here for as long as you like, just enjoying this effortless breath.
you so much for joining me today and hope you enjoyed. Uh, talk to you soon. Namaste. Thank you. That was great. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So email us at trisha.misty.tm at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, survivingdeathanddying.com for links to the books we talk about. So please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Well, we did it again. We survived death and dying another episode because we believe life and love never dies.